welcome back to Dr. Imposter. My name is Austin White. And I'm Kamehu Matthias. Well, friend, how are you doing this beautiful Sunday morning? Doing great. Um, I have been on a research month for the past, what, three weeks now. Um, so that sounds super intense. It is the exact opposite of intense. I have just been sitting on my butt, enjoying some time off in between rotations while also doing some research. Yeah. That sounds pretty groundbreaking, man. (laughs) Really impactful research that I'm doing. Yeah. Research months are, I don't even know if I'd call them uh, the best kept secret because I think they're encouraged pretty strongly, but, uh, man, are they nice? Yes. Extremely. I was in this weird position last week where I, I was getting everything set up to take a research month in October. And then out of the blue, I get an email. It's like, Hey, we found a rotation for you. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to complain because my school found me rotation. Um, not the rotation I was looking for, but I am actually kind of looking forward to it. I think it'll be really interesting. What were you looking for? So I was looking for diagnostic radiology. And what'd you get? Uh, radiation oncology. Yeah. Well, you know, which, which to the school's credit, they both start with rad. Yeah. Um, they are both rad. Uh, there uh, is, both, there is radiation involved in both. Yes. They both, they both involve radiation. I think that's, you know, close enough, but not really at all. Uh, but I think it'll be cool. My preceptor seems very nice. Um, I'm going to meet with him next week. So I'm looking forward to that. Seems like that's it's going to be a good rotation. Yeah, that'll be fun. I mean, I it it sucks to not be able. To, are you still going to take a research month later? In the I am. Year? I'm just going to push January. Oh, good stuff. Yeah, which research I think month actually is awesome. will be better because I'll do a little bit of research in January and then I'll finish up that project um, in the first two weeks of March. Excellent. Which I think is good timing. Yeah, because right that is match day. week. Yeah, I think I'll need my wits about me. Yeah, I uh, I highly encourage everyone in their fourth year to take at least one research month or the whatever the max that your school allows. Um, mm-hmm. I think it, it's just a great time to just relax, uh, enjoy your fourth year, your last year of medical school. Um, I mean, you can still finish up research projects, but uh, it it's not going to like take up you know, a hundred hours of your week doing research. Like you can just have so much time off while you do things. I'm glad I took it this month because I have really been able to, I've been able to work on some research and also get my ERAS application taken care of. ERAS. What's that comma? It's not the Taylor Swift tour. Uh-huh. It While my really, wife was at Eras, I was doing ERAS. It's really bothered me. Like on TikTok, on Instagram, everyone's posting about the ERAS tour that Taylor Swift is doing. And I'm like, why is she doing an ERAS tour? That doesn't make any sense. I'll tell you what, it has made it very difficult to find information on Google. Oh, yeah, because you can't type in ERAS without getting. The fact that add in like every Boolean operator into my Google searches. <laughs> Just kidding. I have no idea how to use those. Um, yeah. So ERAS, the electronic residency application service or system. I don't know. Yes, it's I was, definitely I was one impre- of those. I was, imp- I'm impressed that you even got any of those. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it dictates a large portion of our uh, future. So I figure I should be familiar with it. Um, 
No, I haven't been very familiar with it. I, that hasn't panned out the way I hoped it would, but I'm working hard on it. Um, so maybe we just go through and talk a little bit about what that is and why it gives so many people headaches. Yeah. So the, so the ERAS's uh, program, uh, dashboard, whatever you want to call it, is just the system that all medical students use to apply to residency programs in their chosen specialty, um, well, actually, minus a few. Yeah, not all medical students. Not all medical because students. Because Caribbean students use a different, or IMGs use a different system entirely. As well as urology students and opto. Well, I thought they used ERAS. But then instead oh, of going into the match. NRMP, it goes into the San Francisco match. Gotcha. Okay. So, so let me and that. that's a really confusing thing is ERAS, which is the thing you put all your information to, to apply to residency, is a completely different system from the NRMP, which is the National Residency Match Program, which is like a completely different entity corporation um, th- from ERAS, which is operated by the American Association of Medical Colleges. Yeah. So let's be but clear. somehow... One sends their information to the other, and then that's the big pot that, you know, the the bingo ball machine that your residency program is assigned out of. If it sounds like they're the same thing, it's because they are, but financially, they're different. (laughs) That's correct. Oh, it's expensive going to medical school. They just get you coming and going, don't they? Yeah, but anyway, so ERAS is the system that uh, most medical students use for uh, their residency applications. You get on, there's a dashboard where you put in um, experiences, your research publications, your personal statements, um, your letters of recommendation. Your mother's uh, maiden name. Yep. Your, your hobbies. Sec- yep. Social security, anything. And the name of your best up. friend in second grade. That's right. It's a mess. Um, and it's it's quite stressful. It's super stressful because not only like does it boil down to if you've like had compelling experiences in medical school, but like if you're a bad writer, that can negatively affect, you know, your whole application, which like you don't need to be a good writer to be a good doctor. We've seen many uh, progress notes that have been written, written by preceptors that prove that point, you know. Correct. You can be terrible at uh, crafting a narrative and be very good at taking care of people. Yeah. And I'd also, I don't know how you feel like, but, uh, how do you feel like this compares to your medical school application like process? I was thinking about that and I, I don't know if I can make a good comparison because it has been so long since, um, not so long, but it feels like an eternity since I applied to medical school. Yeah. Uh, but I would say it's a probably on par. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like it's been a little bit better for me doing this than medical school. I think it's also because I've had four years of experience now where I, mm-hmm. I feel my, you know, I honestly feel like my confidence has been boosted over the course yeah. of four or three years now, um, you know, in medical school and preparing to become a physician. I do feel like, uh, you know, some of the experiences I've had have really helped my self-confidence and just feel capable of, you know, my future and career in medicine. Whereas as a pre-med student, I felt like just a lost puppy. Yeah, I would agree with that. I feel like I'm much more like, um, developed as far as mm-hmm. like my professional identity. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a good way like, of putting it. I, I love 
the phrase professional identity, um, but I haven't always. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> it feels very jargony, but I, sure. I, I feel like I've been able to kind of develop myself. I think your focus also narrows quite a bit when you're applying to residency versus applying to medical school. Yeah. You don't really, I mean, some people like me had a general concept of like, you know, the overview of like being a doctor, but uh, it's such a more expansive profession than even I realized when I was applying and four years in medical school and then like looking at different programs and residencies and specialties have really opened that up to me. Um, I mean, I still am pretty much locked in, you know, as far as I want to do, but it's been good to see just how big medicine is. Yeah. And for, for listeners that don't know, both Austin and I are uh, going to be applying to family medicine, uh, for, for a specialty. Um, Austin and I want to do different things in that family medicine umbrella, um, mm-hmm. Family medicine is a super diverse specialty. Um, uh, just to give you an idea. So in, in your residency training is in family medicine, you will do rotations across pretty much every single specialty mm-hmm. in medicine, which is pretty much unheard of. There aren't a lot of, of residency program or specialties. I should say there aren't a lot of specialties that do that kind of that kind of diverse and in-depth training Mm -hmm. compared to family medicine, which is interesting. Uh, But what that allows you to do as a family physician is practice in a very diverse field and go into very different paths within the specialty. Yeah. Maybe that's worth talking about for a minute is kind of what pulled us into family medicine um, versus other specialties. Hold on. Let me pull up my personal statement then. (laughs) Great. If, if that's anything anybody wants to hear, or if there's anything people want to hear, it's uh, listening to somebody talk about their personal statement. <laughs> uh, I know mine is captivating and riveting, and I'm not all super self-conscious about it. Um, I feel really confident about my personal statement, and it's not at all something I think about at all hours of the day. I don't know about you. Uh, yeah, Definitely. I have a very love hate relationship with my personal statement. Like I feel like I am working hard on it, but my personal statement tab has been open on my laptop for like two and a half months. It just yeah. stays open. Cause I'm constantly opening up my laptop, looking at it for five minutes, putting, changing one word, putting it down, coming back 30 minutes later, working on a sentence, like that's me. This process. That's me. But with my meaningful experiences. Oh Yeah. Um, I am really stressed about those. Yeah. I spent like an hour this morning, like trying to figure out, Oh, do I write about him in the third person, like a resume or do I write him in the first person, <laughs> like my personal statement? Um, and the answer I found was, uh, we don't know. Yeah. Because a lot has changed for our year of ap- application to residency and which you is know, super program cool. directors will see everything. So Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping there's a little more, um, benefit of the doubt given this year where so much has changed with the yeah. application system. Sure. If there's any program directors listening to this, have mercy. Um, uh, why did we get on this topic of personal statements? 
because uh, we were talking about why we wanted to get into family medicine. Oh, why family medicine? So why family medicine for you? For me, it aligns really well with my personality. Um, my mind tends to be all over the place. Um, kind of the ADHD thing um, where if I was doing the same thing over and over again, day after day, I would find that very tedious. And I think I would uh, very quickly lose satisfaction in my career. Like um, if I was doing carpal tunnel surgeries, you know, 15 of those a day, um, I just wouldn't have as much fun as like going from like doing uh, mental health to doing an IUD insertion to, you know, doing like pregnancy follow-up checks to uh, doing a well child visit for one of my pregnant patients, kids. Like I think that's the cool thing about family medicine is you get a little taste of everything. Um, and you also get to have these long-term relationships, which is another huge thing for me. I, I can't really deal with the idea of being so involved in somebody's care for a couple days and then never seeing them again. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like you, you really want to do full scope family medicine. Absolutely. Which is different than just like, than I think what a lot of people experience with their kind of their family docs, their primary care Mm -hmm. physicians, the full scope family medicine is slightly different. Yeah. So full scope, when we say that, um, kind of the biggest differentiator is whether you want to do obstetrics, um, you know, caring for pregnant women and, uh, delivering babies. Um, a lot of family doctors don't do that anymore just because we in a lot of areas have very good OBGYNs that can take a lot of that workload off. Um, my main approach is I want to be able to offer those services should my patients want them. Um, but am I going to promote myself as an OBGYN? Absolutely not. Like that's different training. Um, you know, they're, they're surgeons. They're very skilled at what they do, but, uh, so that's a big thing in full scope. Another, uh, aspect is, um, a lot of family docs will focus more on like adult patients. You see that a lot more often, but I like pediatrics. So I want to have peds patients, um, and then procedures, you know, uh, what has surprised me is how many procedures you can do in family medicine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, things like joint injections and um, like freezing moles, but you can also do vasectomies and circumcision and IUD and all that kind of cool stuff. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of full scope. Um, now you have a different kind of objective with family medicine, um, which is going to sports medicine. Right. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I have for a very long time, uh, like going back to high school, sports medicine has always been an interest of mine uh, because uh, I like to describe myself as a Renaissance man. uh, But at my core, I am a jock. Um, I am a, a meathead jock. Despite myself being a Renaissance man and being able to appreciate finer things in life. Um, now I know I, for a fact you read books. So I do read books. I enjoy musicals. Um, I enjoy art. So please don't be fooled. I, I have, I'm like an onion. There's just, there's just something new, every layer. And if you leave you out into the sun for too long, you start growing those little white hairs. Yes. And people do cry in my presence. 
but yes, so sports medicine has always been an interest of mine. Um, for the for, there's unaware in primary care sports medicine, there's many different paths you can go into. You can do family medicine, you can do pediatrics, you can do emergency medicine, you can do internal medicine, you can do PMNR um, or physiatry. They're formerly known as. Um, so those are all different paths you can take to do a fellowship in sports medicine after residency. But for my, like similar to similar to awesome, my personality just really fits with family medicine more. I love, um, I love getting to know people and then leveraging what I know about a person to then tailor that to their healthcare experience. Um, that's something I, I really love. I love, um, you know, learning about someone's background or culture and figuring out how that fits into my role as a provider in making their life better. Um, that's something that I love about family medicine. I feel like the training that we get in family medicine just really allows me to, to capitalize off that interest. Um, and then going into sports medicine, uh, just as I, you know, as you take care of athletes, as you take care of people with general orthopedics, um, you know, I just feel like those skills for, for me will translate really well. Uh, but that's, that's pretty much the, the main reason why I chose family medicine. Yeah. I think about sports medicine, medicine, especially that's something that I've kind of, um, really come around to. I'm actually going to apply sports. I'm just kidding. No. Um, but it is interesting because I think a lot of people just hear the word sports and maybe their brain shuts off and I, like, oh, well, yeah. that's not applicable to me who's a couch potato, but, um, sports meds, maybe I think it's bad. Would name. you agree that it's, it's a poorly named subspecialty? Yeah, it, it's a, it's a very bad name because there's a lot of sports medicine physicians who don't cover a team or like, don't do any sort of organized, like athletic medical coverage mm-hmm. and they just do general orthopedics. So basically anything you would go see an orthopedic surgeon for other than surgery is what a primary care sports medicine physician will do. And there's, I would say the bulk of sports medicine docs do general orthopedics and they don't cover like, you know, a professional sports team or a, or a college team or something. So it is, it's a badly named specialty. So let's say, heaven forbid, you're in some sort of uh, leadership position in medicine in your future, um, and you were tasked with renaming sports medicine, what would you call it? Uh, I'd probably call it general orthopedics. General orthopedics. Or primary care orthopedics. Non-surgical orthopedics. Non-surgical, yeah. Maybe primary care orthopedics. Primary care orthopedics. Okay. You heard it here yeah. first. Yeah. We're going to rebrand sports med. That'll never happen, but no, it'll never happen. Uh, it is cool specialty that I really, my eyes have been opened up to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love sports medicine. I love everything, everything about it. What else? Oh, so we just, uh, got back maybe what? Two, three, yeah, been, a couple, oh, a couple almost four now. weeks now from, uh, the uh, American Academy of Family Physicians Conference for Students and Residents in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, we went there with a bunch of our fellow family medicine freaks from our school. 
uh, and it was a it was an absolute blast. I would say. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a really good experience, really fun, uh, really um, uh, inspiring. That sounds cheesy, but no, I'd um, agree. You know, conferences as a medical student are kind of intimidating, um, just mm-hmm. because you get there and you realize you know absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah, uh, oftentimes filled with you know a giant ballroom. Uh, filled with people who know a lot. Uh, and so as a student, it's extremely intimidating, but this was a, this was a fun conference because it's specifically tailored for students uh, and residents. Yeah. Um, and so that was unique about this specific conference that the AAFP uh, does annually in Kansas city. Yeah. Hats off to AAFP for having the idea of doing that specifically for students. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I, I am the same way as you, like I felt way more confident, uh, in family med. Um, I mean, I'd always wanted to do family med, but I felt more confident in like the application process after literally talking to people that would be like my co-residents and my program directors. Mm-hmm. Um, and just seeing that they are approachable human beings and not just behind some, screen somewhere reading yeah, some my like wizard of oz personal statement curtain yeah exactly the program directors they're just like us yeah yeah I, it it was very interesting um coming out of the conference especially as you and i are in the midst of this uh you know stressful and uh intimidating residency application process with eras and and the match yeah. coming up we'll submit our applications um uh, in, in September, uh, starting like middle of September. And then we have to, the, the final submission is, uh, like the, towards the very end, like a few days before the month ends. Uh, and so we're kind of in the midst of this and then going to this conference where I, I feel like the, you know, the, the biggest part of this conference is the expo hall where hundreds and hundreds of residency programs, uh, go and set up booths with residents and program directors and assistant program directors or just faculty members from the program uh, set up booths and uh, you just walk around and uh, introduce yourselves, chat with people. Why, you know, if there's certain aspects of the program that are interesting to you or just get to know them and just have normal, regular people conversations with them, uh, which sounds intimidating and it certainly is. Uh, but like Austin said, you get talking with people and realize, you know, where you fit in and, and what programs like have really, you know, you, that you vibe with. Yeah. I think I very quickly kind of found quote my people, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, like things that I've learned about myself is, um, like a, a community based program rather than a big academic center is probably more my speed. Um, just cause one, I think I'd, I'd be a very little fish in a big pond at an academic center. Um, and the idea of being unopposed, which unopposed means that you are the only, uh, residency program in a certain facility. Uh, that was big for me. Um, and, uh, being in a more smaller community where I can kind of get more engaged with the people there, uh, that was also big for me. 
Um, so just kind of finding those programs and like just raving about like our similar interests in medicine and like, Oh my gosh, I love like addiction care and, uh, underserved populations. And I love Mm -hmm. OB and, Oh, your program does a lot of that. That was super cool. Yeah. Uh, To just like, Oh, this person really sees things the way I do. And like, I could definitely see myself like working with them. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing when you interact with programs, um, whether in interviews in a conference setting like this, or like an open house that a lot of programs will do. Um, I think the, I think it's, it's understated how important just like your gut feeling is and the vibe you get from a program. Um, it's, it's really, you know, it's obviously it's hard to quantify or put it, put into words, like, you know what that is, but it's just something you, you know, you have to experience, but when you, cause there were certainly programs I talked to at the conference where I was just like, yeah, I, I just don't, I don't know why, but I just don't think this is for me. Like, I just don't think it's gonna, like, it just wouldn't be a good fit for me. Um, would you say, oh, sorry, like, um, your, so to speak, white whale programs, like, um, places that you thought maybe were out of reach or unattainable or like were your big stretch goals. Did you find that more doable after this conference? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. My, um, like the idea of applying to, you know, um, my, my stretch, my stretch programs, quote unquote, whereas like you said, like, Oh, I, you know, I don't think I have a really good chance of matching there, but I'm going to apply there anyway. Right. Um, I, I think as applicants, I think you have to be confident in your, in your experiences. And, uh, I think you'd be surprised at how far you can push, push yourself or stretch yourself and, uh, how many programs will actually be a really good fit, um, for things that you've done. And I think that's one benefit of going to a conference like this, regardless of specialty, I think finding a, if there's a conference that's dedicated towards medical students, or there's like a, a national uh, annual conference that has sections specifically for medical students to meet with programs. I would, if you're going to go to one conference, if you only have time or money for one conference in a year as a student, definitely find that conference where you can get FaceTime with programs, uh, in a setting like that. in like an expo hall, I Um, 100% agree. Yeah. It's just so you can get that feel. You can talk with them. You can see, okay, is this actually a stretch program or is this something that, um, you know, based on my experiences and, you know, my, my resume, will I be a good fit here? Yeah. Or like, am I only looking at this program because of, uh, like my perception of their prestige and is it actually a place I could see myself? I think that's important to keep in mind because, I think sometimes as medical students, we get really excited when we see like big marquee, uh, like academic names, um, that we don't really stop to think like, uh, is this even a place where I would feel comfortable? Like, is, is this like the type of program I want to be at? Yeah. Yeah. And so the conference for us was really for both of us, I, I, I mean, I'm going to speak for you. You can correct me, but I think both of us walked away from the conference feeling, uh, really kind of like boosted up in a way. Oh yeah. Um, I, I thought coming out of the conference, I was going to feel pretty scared about applying 
to mm-hmm. residency programs. Uh, but I walked away at the end, um, you know, pretty excited actually to apply yeah. uh, just because of this, the amazing people I spoke with all the program directors who were, uh, and the faculty who were just, just awesome people and just really good, like really great to talk to. Um, they were excited to be there. They were excited to talk to the students, uh, to, you know, recruit them. And, um, because in the end, the residencies care as much about you as you do about them. Like they are invested in your, in your training as well, just as much as you're invested in the training. So it, it makes sense. Uh, but I walked away feeling super excited. Um, you know, obviously still a little nervous, but mostly excited about, you know, applying and, you know, in my future. 100%. I, I'm, I'm ready. I'm like, I'm obviously still nervous, but yeah. I'm fired up. So my friend, is there anything else that you want to talk about this fine morning? No, I don't think so. I think in coming episodes we're what we'll try to do is, uh, you know, since we're in this application season, uh, for residency and I guess medical school as well, True. um, a lot of, uh, pre-meds inter- we're now into interview season. Um, but as you know, kind of our listeners are in this certain stage of life. Uh, I think what you can expect from us, we're going to talk about how to choose a specialty. You know, we'll try and see if we can get some guests, Mm -hmm. Uh, guest hosts on to talk about their journey and whether they changed their interest or, you know, they were super gung ho about one thing. And then, you know, they had one experience that made them change their mind. Just kind of a a mix. I would love to do that experiences. Um, I think it's important for people to realize that you can kind of change your mind. It's not going to torpedo your career. If you end up not really wanting to do the thing you thought you wanted to do. So yeah, that'll, that'll be yeah coming up soon. Hopefully we haven't been honestly as frequent in releasing these episodes as we would like to be, but Hey, this is, but we're doing our best the first time in the same school year that we have released two episodes. So since our first year, at least, so that's pretty good. And you know what? I think Dr. Imposter is here to stay no matter how many episodes we, no matter what the schedule of releases for episodes, we're here to stay. Well, good man. Let's, uh, let's call it here. So thank you for listening to Dr. Imposter. We're doing medical school. So can you. Bye. Peace.